Now, what what comes to your mind when I when I say Australian design? Indeed, it, it, it's a diverse idea in, in a diverse place. Um, a relatively new centre, the Swain Centre for Australian Design, well, it aims to put some clarity and spotlight on this and, and on the creativity and, and diversity of Australian design, the role it plays ubiquitously in all our lives. Uh, the centre has teamed with the National Museum uh, to create the Swain Senior Fellowship and it, uh, it aims to nurture and propel this idea of Australian design. It's in its second year and it's just ushered in uh, a newly appointed fellow, Lyndon Anderson, and he joins us now. Lyndon, congratulations on, on the new role. Oh, thanks very much, Jonathan. It's a, it's a huge privilege to be part of that foundation and the centre and be working at the National Museum. Bit of background. Where were you before before this? What's your what's your story? Yeah, Jonathan, I was um, trained as a designer and worked in the UK. I met my wife, Australian wife, and we came to Australia. And I pretty much at that time, in the mid-90s, moved into academia. And so following on with that route, teaching and doing research, I moved into management. And I came to Canberra in 2011 to take up the role of executive dean at the Faculty of Arts and Design at the University of Canberra. And in fact, in 2011 is when I met Alistair Swain for the very first time. Hmm. So I do have a bit of a history of, of working with him, and that was quite lovely to be, uh, to be then employed into this position. Tell us about, a bit about Alistair. Well, he was a terrific guy. He was, um, he was an architect uh, in the late 1970s. He set up the Dale Jackson Alistair Swain Architectural Studio, DJAS for short, um, it's still very much alive, and it's one of the you know one of the top consultancies um, in Australia. I met him because he was also a professorial fellow in the faculty, which meant that he came from industry to teach the students um, and give them that real hands-on experience. Mm. And of course, because he was such a senior person, um, he then moved into the position of um, government architect. He was the inaugural government architect and still then maintained a position at the faculty. And so I knew him and I used to have lots of conversations and I think one of the things about him which has really remained very strong and uh, something that I'm, I'm pursuing um, enormously is his love of humanity and the way in which he saw design as a vehicle to actually help society and make sure that people were treated equally. And you, you sort of see that through his architecture, the way he deals with parts of a building that are for staff and parts of a building that might be for visitors. They're, they're equal in terms of the, of the attention to detail. It's such a catch-all expression, design. It, 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 is, it is impossibly broad. I wonder, Lyndon, when, yeah. when, when people say to you, if they do, Lyndon, what design? What, what do you yeah. tell them? What's, what's your snapshot? Uh, look, it's, it's um, a question that's asked a lot. I think the, the problem with the word design is it's both a noun and a verb. Hmm. And so um, you can have a beautiful design, an object that you feel is a beautiful design, but then designing is, can be a very different thing. And, of course, now we have uh, what's coined as design thinking, which basically means looking at a particular problem where the solution isn't necessarily a designed object, it's a designed process. Um, so it's become even more complicated, Jonathan, than it was a decade ago. And I think, I mean, that, that, that's increasingly a theme too, isn't it? I mean, looking at that process and, and trying to apply that process into a sort of a multidisciplinary sort of approaches, adapting the processes of design to all sorts of things. 
I think it's even moved further than that. I mean, I think we're now in a position, and um, maybe we'll have a chance to talk a bit later about an exhibition I'm working on at the moment, but one of the things I'm very eager to point out is that, of course, we have professional designers in the design industry and a whole gamut of different specializations within that and new ones joining us all the time. Mm. For example, game designers. No such thing as a game designer 20 years ago. Um, but we still, of course, have <laughs> industrial designers and graphic designers, etc. But I also like exploring the point at which a scientist in a research laboratory is wearing a designer's hat or where somebody making a medical breakthrough is also putting on a designer's hat because they're often making quite creative decisions and they're coming up with a product that might not necessarily have had a formally trained designer involved in the process, but it's innovative it's radically different, and it's something that I think we, we should all treasure and, and learn from. That breadth, of course, gives I mean great opportunity for a fellowship like yours. Um, I, I wonder, you know, in, in that that really broad scope that you've just outlined, how do you how do you pin down for your time? What's your, what's your focus? Well, that's an interesting question as well because I think. Are my focus, and again, I treated I treated getting this position uh, and the interview and developing the scope of work as a design exercise. Actually, okay. if I'd been if I'd been applying for a position funded by the foundation, the Swain Foundation, with the powerhouse, which is a design museum, mm. my thoughts would be quite different. What I love about this position, though, it's actually with the National Museum of Australia, which is responsible for telling the Australian story, and that's the whole story. It includes the science side, it includes early settlers, First Nation people. Objects in the collection are not necessarily by any stretch of the imagination in the collection because they have significant design prowess. They're there for a myriad of reasons that help actually to position uh, the Australian story and to pass that knowledge on to generations. And so, my strategy is to actually add another bow, if you like, to add another line of inquiry, to add a narrative that relates to design to what already exists so that it is part of the Australian narrative, not a separate piece of research. That's just, I was shying away in introducing you to mentioning things like stump jump ploughs and fencing wire, but I, <laughs> I, I can see them, though, forming a part of that narrative. Absolutely, they can, and and they and indeed they should, um, because it's not until wire was invented that um, fencing could take the the sort of position that it took. Now, whether or not a formal designer was involved in fence wire production, it was certainly somebody that understood the manufacturing process intricately, um, was innovative, and took it to the next level. And the, it, it's obviously that would have occurred before even professional designers existed. Uh, designers back in the day were often experienced engineers, and of course that's why you see people like Leonardo, you hear of people like Leonardo who could wear a, a multitude of hats. Mm. It's only really in the, uh, in the 20th century, in the middle of that, that we started to see people call themselves industrial designers, for example. Now, as you've mentioned, that the National Museum, it looks at the totality of the the Australian and pre-Australian experience, and, and that has a very strong focus on, on First Nations communities and yes. their, their stories. And, and this is a subject of, of, of tremendous general curiosity now, I think, in the Australian population of wanting to dig yes. deeper into that, that deeper history of this place. And design yes. is such a strong element 
of sustainable civilization in this place over millennia. Yes, yes, it is. And I'm trying to develop a variety of different ways to help tell that story. So, for example, uh, there will be later on in the year, one of the museum magazines will have an article in it in which an indigenous architect that was one of the authoring team that put forward indigenous design principles, a global set of principles, he was part of that authoring team, and an Australian set of principles. And these are really guiding principles to help architects and designers understand how to work more sympathetically, I suppose you could say, more knowledgeably, um, to make sure that they're doing the right thing and they're bringing in the right people at the right time. Because, of course, so much of this land in the past may have been built on without paying the due respect to the elders and the First Nation people in that place. Um, well, now there are, there are policies and processes. So that's, that's one way I can actually help. The other way is there's some stunning objects from First Nation people in the museum, and I'll give you a really lovely example. Mm, please. I don't, know, I don't know if you know um, or have heard of Kimberley Points, but they're spearheads. Now, hundreds of years ago, they would have been made in stone, but after the first settlers arrived, they started to discard glass bottles. There are telegraph insulators made of ceramic that were broken, and First Nation people in the Kimberley region in West Australia, Western Australia, actually used those shards of glass to create the most extraordinarily exquisite glass spearheads. Now, those spearheads, they're not only beautiful because of their translucency and their colour, but because they were so stunning, they were used quite often as trade items. Hmm. And the sort of, the design, the second design narrative that I'm now adding to that story is to basically say, well, you know what we have here? This is an extraordinary example of a very early form of recycling or upcycling yes. in, in which the discarded bottle has been made into something more beautiful than the bottle, more functionally appropriate for the needs, um, and is now in the National Museum. Uh, so I can sometimes I can add a, a, a little bit of an extra design edge. Sometimes it doesn't need it. I mean, for example, if you look at the most extraordinary woven fish-catching devices, baskets to be put in the river in certain parts to actually catch fish, the beautiful pieces of work in their own right. And beautiful pieces of design. There's beautiful, that word. Yeah. Yes. yes, absolutely. Now, Lyndon, you did, you did mention an exhibition. <laughs> yes, there is an exhibition, and it will be about Australian design. But really, this is an opportunity for me to showcase objects within the collection and some of the more contemporary objects that uh, I have selected from what's going on in industry at the moment. So it, it purposefully includes the work of contemporary industrial designers and um, architects. I've always been a supporter of the next generation, and so I have works from uh, architectural students in this exhibition. But as I said earlier, I, I have made it a mission to ensure that I also have some objects in there from the medical industry and um, some really interesting objects. So, for example, there is an object that uh, it's the technology used to create this object was developed for landing crafts on Mars. <laughs> and, and the researchers worked with NASA and uh, what they actually did was solve a problem that's quite a comical one, really, 
What would happen if you spent billions of dollars to put a landing craft on Mars and it got a puncture? End of mission. <laughs> Call the <Sorry>. RACV. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so this extraordinary metal has been developed, which has, uh, has a shape memory, which allows the tyres to be made from um, a very, very expensive metal with a nitinol, it's called base. And that means that it will react very much like the spring of an elastic rubber, uh, but it's made of metal, so it's puncture-proof. Hmm. Now, I have, an ex I have an example of an object that uses that technology by the same company, um, but commercialised for Earth. And I have another object in the same place, made from a very similar version of the metal, uh, that goes inside the body as an alternate heart stent. And so we see very, very, uh, we see these beautiful kind of interests where we're talking about the furthest outreach of space or an object inside the body, both designed using a very similar technology that was developed for NASA for very different things, totally different scales. And one of those had a team of designers working with the engineers and the scientists. The other one didn't, though. The other one was actually, the heart stent was actually developed by the medical industry and the science industry, taking cues from what's now available using the NASA technology and material. Tremendous, tremendously adaptable. What a, what a, yeah, it, what an origin story that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's why it's so much fun. <laughs> yes. Now, the name of your your exhibition is called Material World. So there are five different materials that I cluster objects into: uh, wood, metal, ceramic, glass, and leather. And there's probably about eight to ten objects in each under each material. And I've made sure that some of them go all the way back to First Nation and early settler and they're objects from their collection. And others are pushing the boundaries. So, for example, in leather, we have an object that actually, what's the future of leather? Well, it may not be leather. And so it's actually a piece of mycelium-based material, which is derived from mushrooms. And it was developed by a Finnish research centre as an alternate material for the fashion, clothing and shoe industry. And so we're, we're lucky enough to have a, a piece of that before it's commercialised. We'll soon all be wearing fungus, Lyndon, and just buy a convention. There you go, Material yes. World at the National Museum. We'll, we'll pop a link to that on the, the Blueprint page at the Radio National website. And, Lyndon, congratulations on, on that and, and on the fellowship. Great. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. It's been a real pleasure. Dr Lyndon Anderson uh, is the 2023 Swain Senior Fellow in Australian Design. National Museum and, and an adjunct professor at the University of Canberra. It's Blueprint for Living, ABC RN. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.